Uh, good morning. Thank you for being with us as we finish up our series on the R word. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about it in more of a broad context. So in the series, we've done things like we've talked about dating and we've talked about marriage and we've talked about parenting, but we're going to get broader and we're going to talk about family in general. Family. What comes to your mind when, when I bring up that word family? Is it the positive? Is it negative? I changed the, the words on that video this week to include my family in that passage. The, those words come from 1 Corinthians 13. We normally hear that at weddings, right? That's the love passage. But is that how we would talk about our family? My family is, is hopeful. My family loves. My family um, never gives up. Or would you talk about your family in a different way? Would you be like, no, my family is on edge. <laughs> my family's draining. <laughs> my family is full of drama. My family makes snide remarks. My Family is the last people that I want to spend time with. Where, where are you this morning in regards to family? Uh, what I'd like to do is um, I, would, I would like to present three images for you. And, and I'd like for you to choose one to kind of put your finger on so you have this frame of reference as we go through this message this morning. And so the, the first image is this of, of scorched earth. All right, is this what family looks like? Like a wildfire aftermath, like things are just burnt to the ground. You know, like there was, there was a battle, right? Words were said, tempers got heated, and like, boom, radioactive. We don't talk anymore. We don't even talk about what happened anymore. It is like scorched earth. Is, is that... Is that where you are right now? There's this image. Uh, dormant winter. This is, this is my, my backyard, and I was standing there looking at it, and, and I was thinking about, like, the memories of, of previous, of all the work that my wife had done, this kind of, like, luscious green backyard, and the flowers, and the plants, and the, the tree. You can't even see the tree that's back there, because it's like, is it ever going to grow again? Like, and when did it get like this? It just, it just kind of ended up like, oh yeah, everything's just like dead and withered. And I don't really remember a moment where like the flowers are just boom, done. I don't really remember when the plants were no more. But when I look at it now, it, it, it's almost like, is there hope there? Like, will this bounce back? How do we get to this point? Will it always be dormant winter like that? The last question, uh, the last image is that of acute pain. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things I hate about winter is like when your hands get dry and cracked, right? And then you end up with these giant like paper cut gashes and, you know, you, you forget about it. You go through your day and you pick something up or try and, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that's right. I have this gash in my hand. I forgot about it. And, and so like 
when you jar it, when you try and use it, that's when the, the pain resurfaces and you, you remember what was happened. You remember that damage. You remember the trauma. Those hurts are maybe uncovered again. You're around that family member and it's like, oh no, that's still raw. Like I'm, mm, I don't, I don't feel great right now. It is, you're still trying to heal. You're trying to cover up those, those pains and, and the hurt, but like it's still, it's still tender. Like, is that where you are with your family? And it might not be your whole family, but uh, my guess is there's somewhere in there, like a relationship dynamic. Maybe it's, you know, this side of the family and, and not that side, but like there's some dynamic in there where I want you to think about these three images, that scorched earth, the dormant winter, or the acute pain. Like, where are you right now in your family? Regardless of which one you chose, Please hear this, regardless of where you are, God can change that. Do you believe that? Like, that, this is not the final picture. This is not what has to be. God is moving and God is working and God can and will work through you to bring about change in this relationship. And isn't that a beautiful thing? That's what we're going to talk about today. Do you believe in a miracle for your family? Can we believe in that? Can we be hopeful and expectant in that? We're going to look at a passage in Romans chapter 12. And what Paul's doing in this amazing, brilliant book is the first half of Romans, Romans 1 through 11, he builds this really cool case of, like, here's the case for Jesus. Here is what he did. This is how it works. It's very heady. It's systematic. It's like it's synagogue smart brain stuff, okay? And he builds this, and in Romans 12, 1, he kind of changes, and he starts to get very practical. And, and he says, okay, therefore, because of all this stuff, now I want you to live in a different way. I want you to live as a living sacrifice, this is crazy terminology that doesn't even make sense. A sacrifice is supposed to die, right? And he's like, you know, it's like your life is devoted towards someone. It's devoted to something else, but you are a living sacrifice. It's that same image that we have of baptism over here. And that's why we put this tank here on stage. So we see this, we remember this, okay? It's the same thing when you go down and you're buried in the water. It's like that old life is done. It's finished. It's dead. And you come up. You come up different. You come up changed. You come up as that living sacrifice in your new life in Christ. And now we live this way. Okay? And, and so Paul is at this point where he's setting up this whole theological discussion, shifting from being theological to practical. Here's how you live as a result of your baptism. And so what we're going to see here is how do we live relationally? This is one aspect of how we live relationally in this new life. And I want us to put this filter on as we think about our family. How do we live with our family, with all its flaws and warts and tensions and drama? How can we live in this new life as this living sacrifice, here's the thing. We have to take the relational high road, okay? Let's read this passage. In Romans 12, 17, 
It starts here. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of who? Everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, these words don't apply necessarily to everyone. These words definitely apply to those that have been obedient in baptism, that have said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. My allegiance is with him now. I'm living in this new life. If you have done that, then these words are for you. This is how we are to live. Now, if you're not a believer, that's, that's great. I'm glad that you're here. You don't necessarily have to do this. You're not on the hook for this. Now, I still believe that this is the best way to live. This is the best way to have positive relationships. And, and we'll talk about what you can do and what that looks like. But those that are on the hook here, you say that you follow Jesus. This is how you live. You are called to the relational high road. So what does that mean? The first thing to remember on this relational high road is it's not fair, okay? And this is like, really bad news. It's not fair. So, like, life's not fair, and other people can treat you in, in a way, you can't treat them that same way, okay? Like, I, I know that they're rude. I know that they're, the, the passage says, evil. When someone does evil to you, like, you don't get to do it back. So, like, if we had a scale, like, you, you know, evil over here, you you make fun of me behind my back, like, get ready, here comes the boom, because I'm about to air all your dirty laundry, like, let's do it, okay? I'm ready, I'm going to just destroy you. Paul's like, uh-uh, it's not evil for evil. It's not fair. I, I get it. I get what they did was wrong. You don't get to do the same thing back. You don't have the right to retaliate. Look at, at verse 17. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Okay? Verse 19, don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. With good. That's how we do this. Evil sounds so much more fitting when someone attacks me like that, when someone wrongs me like that. Like, this is what they deserve. And Paul's like, nah, <laughs> that's not what we do. That's not how you live. You do what ultimately is best for them. That's what it means to love your enemies. It, no, it's not fair. What, so you mean that I have to be the bigger person? Yes, 100%. You have to be the bigger person every time. <laughs> and I don't care how old the person is or how much uh, authority they have over you. Like, you, because of who you are, because you follow Jesus, you are now the bigger person. You have to live this way. You know, you're 
you're a representative. You're a royal ambassador of the king of kings. You don't get to act just however you want to act anymore. There are responsibilities that come with being a child of God. I know they're rude to you, okay? But like destroying your aunt on social media, that's, that's a thing of the past now. I, I know that they're acting crazy, but like yelling at your politically charged parents, it's done. You don't, you don't, you don't get to do that anymore. I know that you could rail on your sister's parenting techniques for a lot of really good reasons, but we don't do that. That's not how we live, okay? I know that it's easy to get onto your relatives about money, but that's, that's done, okay? You don't get to cause tension in these pockets of relationship anymore. You have a higher standard. You don't get to fight dirty anymore. You want to be on the relational high road, we have to remember that it's not fair. And that's not fair, but it's not fair, okay? The second thing, how we live on this high road, is we seek peace. We seek peace. You have a purpose within your family construct. And that, that goal is peace. Verse 18 says, live at peace with who? everyone. (laughs) Like, even my family? Yeah, even your family. (laughs) Live at peace with everyone. Uh, I don't like it, but who does that sound like? To me, it sounds like Jesus. That sounds like the Sermon on the Mount. That sounds like when Jesus says, hey, blessed are the, the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You want to be known as someone who follows the ways of God? You are a peacemaker, You are one who promotes peace. So think about those relationships. Think about the tensions that you have in your family. Um, Think about who's making the the passive-aggressive comments in your family that you're like, oh, oh, I know what you're doing. I get get it. Who's who's just spouting venom in your family? Who's, Who's the one gossiping? Who's the one trying to protect themselves and run from conflict and not address things? Like, like, think of all of these different dynamics in your family. Where are you in that? What's your role in there? Are you one who promotes peace? Remember, this word, peace, like, peace for us is, a, is an English word. Jesus as he's using this word, he's thinking of the, the Hebrew word of shalom. And, and that's a much bigger word. It's not just the absence of conflict. It's not just peace, there's not any fighting. Shalom is so much broader. It's this completeness. It's wholeness in every area of life. It's wholeness and completeness between you and God, between you and your neighbors, between you and the world. It is this like all things are made right and all things are are good and together. When Jesus is talking about peace, he's like, this is what it looks like. It's not just like, I don't want you to fight. I don't want you to argue. So, you know, just don't get involved. It's like, no, we are ones who promote peace. We are helping in this completeness and this wholeness in every area of life. We don't get to just opt out. 
it's not, I don't want to ruffle any feathers, you know, like, I don't really want to say anything. They didn't ask my opinion, so I'm just going to stay out of it. Like, there's this aspect of, no, we, we help in these situations. Like, we do need to get involved because we are the peacemakers. If you follow Jesus and you've been baptized, the way that you live this new life is you are a peacemaker. Can you believe that today? This relational high road means that, that, yeah, I know it's not fair, okay? We need to seek peace in everything. But the last one, it's almost contradictory, so I'm sorry for that, but we also have to let it go, all right? Like, let it go, Elsa. Sometimes you just, you, you do your part, and that's all you can do. Verse 18, for if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It says, if it's possible. That means that it won't always be possible. You can't fix any and all situations, right? If it's possible, live in peace. Be about this restoration and this wholeness and this completion, you will not be able to make everyone happy. Verse 19, leave room for God's wrath. We recognize that, that God will judge people in all equity. Okay, like there's this much bigger picture of how God makes right the wrongs in this world. So we don't have to be the one to do it all. You can do your part and be okay with that. If you're gonna seek peace, you're gonna actively work to build bridges and to restore relationships. But here's the thing, like you don't have to get in the pit with people. Like you don't have to like just go down and, and be taken advantage of and just like over and over again, like get in the pit with them. So I want you to think about this, like your, so take, take your parents, right? Um, take your aunts and uncles on there. Like your parents, have been living in a family system dynamic since before you were born, okay? Like there are rules and expectations of like how we interact and how we live as a family, okay? And so when you grow up and when you become your own family, maybe you get married and you leave and cleave, it's kind of like concentric circles. So yeah, this family dynamic is here, but now like I have this other family dynamic. And, and these overlap, and, and there's tension that comes with that. Am I right? Like, it's not easy to do that. But here's the deal. If there is dysfunction in a family dynamic, if there is abuse, if there's addiction, it takes a whole family dynamic to support that. And, and so you're fighting upstream against that family system let's say you have a healthy family dynamic. If someone like steps out of line, someone like sticks their head up and like just does something really wrong, the rest of the family is like, whoa, bro, uh, we don't do that. Um, this is how we live. This is how we act. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, boom. And like they come back in line and in relationship with everyone, right? But if there's ongoing addiction, there's ongoing dysfunction, there's ongoing abuse that's happening, okay, this whole family web has to adapt. 
and it has to, it, it ends up supporting it. It ends up coping with it. It ends up validating this type of behavior. So for you, as you follow Jesus, and you say, okay, I know that I'm going to promote peace. I know that I'm going to get involved. I'm going to help, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have these hard conversations, but I also have to be able to let it go, and I can step out and say, no, look, this is me, and that's, that's you. I'm safe. I'm secure. I'm loved. I'm forgiven. When you start to pursue health, unhealthy families don't like that. Unhealthy families will push against healthy boundaries because you're disrupting the system, okay? That's why, like, a good counselor is amazing, like, to help you understand, like, where this is and, and what your role and your responsibility is. Like, healthy counseling is, is so important for you to be able to look at uh, why are you this way? Why are you acting this way? What is, what is your family dynamic doing? How is this all working? How is it affecting you? What should it affect you? And, and what should it not? How can you separate yourself from that? Great counseling can do all of that, okay? So, so know that, that as you start to say, no, I'm gonna let it go. I don't have to get in the pit with you. I don't have to, like, like you, you can act like that and you can spiral out of control and you can fly off the handle, but like, I'm not gonna let you do that to me here. And here's a wall and here's a healthy boundary. As you do that, it's hard. So please know that you will need support. You will need trust. You will need guidance as you go about doing that. But here's what I know. I promise you, I guarantee you, that God will not waste your measured, your prayerful, your thoughtful interactions, your calm, your rational attempts to seek peace. God will not waste your prayerful, thoughtful interactions with your family. And, and you know what? even if your family kicks you to the curb and, and rejects it, you know what? It's going to make the faith so much more attractive for those outside of the faith. Other people are going to go, wow, like, like he really got the raw deal, but he kept coming back to the table and he kept loving and caring for his family and he's getting health and she's doing what she needs to to take care of herself and people are going to understand that the faith what it means to follow Jesus is true and it's right. God will not waste your thoughtful interactions to seek peace. So how do we do this? What, what can we do? I want to give you just two simple steps here on, on practical next steps, on how you can interact with your family, how you can take that relational high road and how you can live this out. The first one, it's a big word. It's a simple word. It's forgive. Forgive, okay? Uh, I love Neil Anderson's stuff on this, and I want to just walk you through a quick little forgiveness exercise, all right? It's very systematic, and there's a reason for that. This is in your, in your notes, in your Sunday program, um, on the notes online. If you click on that notes tab, you'll see this written out, so you can, you can follow along. You can save this. Um, 
I forgive fill in the blank for fill in the blank even though fill in the blank. So I forgive a specific person. It's not just like I forgive my family in general, okay? No, I forgive a specific person for a specific action, for like what they said, what exactly happened, what they did. And then this is the interesting part, even though, and fill in the blank, if you don't connect with the emotion, if you don't connect with the actual impact of the, the sin, of the thing that, that broke and the thing that, that went wrong, if you don't connect with that emotion, you haven't really worked through the whole thing to be able to forgive them. And so this systematic approach will help you really think through how can you go about forgiving in this situation. So, you know, it might be something like trivial, like I forgive Adam for standing me up even though I cleared my schedule to, to spend time together, okay? Um, it might be I forgive my, my wife or I forgive my husband for saying that I'll never change, okay? The actual specific phrase that like, ah, like you'll never change, okay? I'm going to connect that action. What's the, the impact of it? Like, because it hurt me and it made me feel powerless, okay? I forgive my, my dad or my mom for, for leaving, okay? But, but like, why? What happened as a result of that? Well, like, we, we struggled or like we, we had to move and struggled to make ends meet as a result of that. So like, deal with the, the person and the action and the actual impact of that. Okay. Um, you might have like sheets and sheets of this. Like, and for one person, you might have to go through 20 different actions and 20 different things of what you need to forgive them for. But here's the deal. Forgive privately. Okay? Like this is ultimately between you, you and God on how you forgive them. But I want you to confess publicly. Like, and, and use this same formula too. So as you go back to someone and you say, hey, I am sorry for, what did you do? What was your involvement in this drama? Okay, I'm sorry for this, okay? And then because it, and you might be fishing a little bit of how what you did impacted them, but the fact that you're trying to work through how your actions affected them, like, what's that called? That, that's empathy, like, we're developing empathy. How great is that? So forgive privately, but confess publicly, okay? Seek forgiveness publicly. So the first step that we can do, our, our next step on how we can have this relational high road in our family is, is forgive. The second one is, is talk, Okay? Um, Nelson Mandela has, has a quote. He says, uh, he said, the, the, the best weapon is to sit down and talk. The best weapon is to sit down and talk. Isn't, isn't that a, a cool way to put it? Uh, in New York, outside of the UN building, there is this art installation. There's this bench, and 
The bench, the art is titled The Best Weapon. And it's this curved bench. You see that? And when you sit on this bench, you can't help but slide down to the middle. This bench like forces you to be in community and to be in relationship. Like, no, the, the best weapon is to sit down and talk, and it's literally going to put you in the posture to be able to do that. We have to talk. We have to, to attempt to be engaged in this. We don't get to opt out. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, like, we are about bringing healing and hope and restoration, and we are agents of peace in our relationships. So we have to talk. Okay, here's some, some simple things that you can do on how you can talk. How can you have this conversation? Because we don't want to just unload on someone. We don't want to just go to our family and tell them, you know, 40 years of all these things that have, that have been wrong and, and how frustrated we are. So here's what we do. We, we set it up. And these are all S's, all right? So the, the setup is important. You need to have a way to broach this conversation with someone. You've you got to set the stage. So it might be like, hey, could, could we have a difficult conversation? Like, hey, like, there's some stuff we need to talk about, and, like, it's going to be a little awkward. Or, like, this is really hard for me to share. And so you're setting them up for creating a time and a place. You're also anchoring their emotions, and so maybe it's not as, like, drama-filled and difficult as you make it out to be, but now it's like, everyone's like, okay, all right, whew, all right, I'm ready. Like, let's, let's do this. Let's have this conversation. So the, the first S is the setup, okay? And the second one is share. You actually, we're going to share, okay? But I want to do this in a very systematic way as well. And so when this fill-in-the-blank it makes me feel fill in the blank. When this happens, here's the result. Here's the impact of it. it this happens, and it makes me feel this way. There's a couple ground rules here. One, you have to strike always and never from your vocabulary. Like, you always do this. Or, you know, this always happens when, like, no, no, no. It's not true, first off. It's not always. It's not never. It's not helpful. So no always, no never. Got it? Never say never, okay? Um, the second thing is strike the word you from this part of the conversation. Because here's what happens. If I say, hey, when, when you are uh, passive aggressive and boom, walls go up, like, all that they heard was you just called me passive-aggressive, and now I'm thinking of all the ways that I'm not passive-aggressive, and you're passive-aggressive. They're not going to hear you, okay? You is an accusatory word, so just strike it. It's really hard to come up with these sentences without using the word you, but it's possible. And this will make you think through what you're going to say and how you can share Remember, we set it up when we share how we can share in a healthy way. So it might be something like, when comments are made about me being too busy to spend time with you, okay? So it's not like, oh, you say that I don't have time. Okay, no. When, when comments are made that I'm too busy, it, it makes me pull away relationally. It, it makes me pull away. So, and that's not what the other person wants, right? They're, they're trying to be connected more. So it might be like, um, hey, when promises are broken about coming home on time, 
after work, it makes me feel like I'm not a priority. You see how that works? It's not, you said you were going to be home, you said you were going to leave the office, and you didn't, and I'm mad. Accusatory. Hey, when, when promises are made and, and they're not kept, it makes me feel like I'm not a priority. You see how that language just changes a little bit? It softens it so that the other person can hear it. Uh, the next one, suggest. S- suggest something that could help. And, and so it might be like, hey, here's your wish list. Like, could we try this? And you can use you here. Um, like, could, could you try calling me? And, and that way I would feel that the relationship doesn't depend just on, on me and my effort. You know, or could, could you try coming home from work at, when, when you say you're going to, it would help me to feel loved by you. And it would help me to love you better instead. So here's your wish list. Hey, and so make, make the request, but what would happen if you got your wish? How would that make you feel? Okay? And so you can talk about that. Here's the deal. You sit down, you set it up, you share this stuff, you um, suggest ideas, this is going to open up the conversation, okay? I'm not saying that the other person on the the other side is going to be as uh, calm and collected and thoughtful and Christ-filled as you are. So it could get ugly really quick, right? They could come at you and be like, oh, yeah, you know what? Okay, here's what I want you to do. The last one, seek to listen. This is key. Because, yeah, you're, you're going to start off. You're going to start off the tea, and you're going you're to share a little bit. They're going to start sharing, too. You have to seek to listen. So what does this mean? It looks like this. So what I'm hearing you say is, fill in the blank. So what I'm hearing you say is, you hate me and I'm a terrible person and you never want to see me again. <laughs> Is that correct? <laughs> All right. Your first stab at what they're trying to say is probably going to be wrong. Okay. So you're going to say, hey, so what I'm hearing you say is, you know, da 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 da. Is that correct? And they're going to be like, no, no, no. That, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm, what I'm saying is this. You'll, and this is a volley. This is back and forth, right? It's like tennis, back and forth. Okay. And now we're having a conversation. We're seeking to understand. We're starting to understand each other more. This is how we can start to heal our families. This is how we can stay at the table and have the conversation so that we grow and so we change, so we can bring back that life to those pictures. Think about those images again. What happens after a forest fire? What happens is, that ground starts to grow again. You start to get green grass and and the forest starts to grow and trees eventually grow and it grows back better and stronger. What happens after winter, right? Spring comes. The grass comes out. The flowers come back. Like life grows again. What happens in that healing process and the acute pain? No, wounds get healed and they grow back. And God can work in those situations. And God can bring about healing and restoration. Do we believe that? And this is how it happens. This is how we take the relational high road.
This is how we start to be those that promote peace and bring about wholeness and reconciliation. This is the beauty of what it means to live this transformed life. To live this life as a living sacrifice for God. As we come to a time of communion, um, Paul dealt with this with the early church as well. In 1 Corinthians, he writes to uh, these house churches that just have a lot of drama going on. There's a lot of stuff back and forth. And he's like, you're, you're taking this communion meal together and you have this tension and these two things can't coexist together. And in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those that eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So I want you to think about you, and I want you to think about your family, and think about that image. Like, where is the tension? Where, where do you need to seek forgiveness? Where do you need to be involved in the process to, to confess and to forgive? And what's your work this week? So as we take communion, we remember the body of Christ that was broken for us, that allows us to be in community together. Let's eat together. And we remember the cup. We remember Jesus' sacrifice and his blood that was shed for us that forgives us that allows us to be able to live this unfair life, to be able to uh, forgive, because it's not fair what Jesus did for us, right? We don't deserve it, and yet he died for us and he forgives us. That's the motivation that allows us to be peacemakers. So let's drink together. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for working in our lives. And thank you for working in our families. God, we, we confess that what is right now is not what will be. And we proclaim that, that you will bring about healing and growth and restoration. And God, allow us to be part of that. Use us, change us, allow us to deal with this so that we can be your agents of peace. We need you. We need your spirit. We need your love and your forgiveness as we go. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.